Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast best shows on TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And tonight is Fear the Walking Dead. This is episode 104. The title was Not Fade Away. Um, bro, who was the director and writer on this? Uh, we had Carrie Scoglin, a director, and Megan Oppenheimer as writer. Got a female crew, huh? Uh, all chick team. All chick team. All right. Well, man, I'll go ahead and tell you. I thought the episode was a huge step up. I really enjoyed it. I, I'm hoping that you've come away from the dark side and are joining me on you know the Jedi side here with the uh, determination on this episode. <laughs> uh, I actually really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I do still have several <clears throat> issues that I feel like they kind of still get wrong. But um, for some reason, this episode had me captivated. Like I really enjoyed every I, little piece. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um this one had intrigue, mystery, curiosity constantly through the entire episode. You were constantly worried about this neighbor and what was going on with him. Who were the light flashing through that door uh, from the house up on the hill? Um, what was Nick really up to? And uh, what was really going to happen with this guy in the bed who was suffering? And where was everybody? And where, why, why was Madison outside of the gate? And what was really going to happen to her? There was just a lot of... I don't know what's going to happen. And you had that anticipation and that drooling of, gosh, what's going to happen next? And that's what the show has been missing. And I think that was the biggest reason I really enjoyed it, especially since there was not a single walker in the entire episode. And not a live one, uh, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a huge step, you know, just showing this is a good human drama that's not just zombie gore or anything like that. Um, and I really, really appreciated it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think this is one of my favorite episodes so far this season. Um, I agree with you. Not having a walker, it's kind of a ballsy move. Um, but like I said, I still have my concerns, not necessarily as a season as a whole, but with this episode, was with a few things, I think they just the writing didn't help. And... and I know we'll talk more about the nine-day jump and stuff like that. Yeah, but like that, um, we had a great feedback from Matt. Matt came in and said that the nine-day jump was just too far a leap, a bridge too far. And um, I agree with that some, but really, honestly, if you really think about it, do you really want to go through day four through nine to get where they are now? Because realistically, what, have we, what has changed from day four to nine? Nothing. They've just been in houses under military or National Guard control, uh, and the community is trying to understand and settle uh, based on their circumstances. That right there sounds boring to me. So I think the nine-day jump was a good thing. If anything, it just kind of lets you know whether they need to be for us to continue that struggle. Uh, do you see anything different? Do you agree more on Matt's side? I kind of fall in the middle because I do think that there were some missed opportunities in the nine-day jump because – I would have loved to see how a community that 
assumes that, you know, because obviously other people than Travis were thinking since the military arrived, cavalry's here, things are going to get better. But as soon as they, I would like to have seen a scene of them building a fence around them, like cattle, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I know if I lived in a subdivision and all of a sudden I was fenced in and wasn't allowed to leave it at my own, you know, behest. On leisure, yeah. I would have issue. And I feel like there would be good conflict between the military and the survivors. That I think that was a wasted opportunity. That I think it well, would do you cool. think the situation with Doug, you know, where he was struggling and, you know, like the whole, uh, I can't tell him lies, I can't do this, and da, 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 you know, and him getting in his car and fleeing and the military talking about like, either you're going to go in and help him or we're going to go get him. You know, do you, do you consider that the struggle you're talking about or was that just more of a guy who's depressed, didn't know how to handle the situation? I, I've, I know they showed like a tiny bit of people asking questions to the military. You know, to the guy when he's giving his speech about whatever's changed for that day, you know. I just feel like there could have been more struggle. And I feel like people are kind of just taking what they get right now. Not asking enough questions, not confronting enough people, you know. I feel like even though the military's got guns, adults would be coming at them. Like, why can't we leave? Why can't we call? Why can't we go see our if our other family in town is safe or... You know, it's like they're too complacent with the situation. Exactly. I feel like they're just, just taking what they're given, and that's it. They're not. I don't know. They're just not. They're too compliant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like there's there should be some element or small faction or group that says, "Dang it, you're not going to hold me. I'm going to go find my family that's outside this damn gate," and that's not happening. You know, what could have been cool was be like a little secret town meeting of you know like certain heads of households you know coming together and being like you know why won't they let us have our phones and why don't they why is the power still jacked up and you know well, like i think in nine days do you think it gets to that point in nine days i think you would have more panic like people are already just kind of going about their business you know yeah, my man jogging through the neighborhood, you know, getting his exercise in. I was kind of like, mm. yeah, I wasn't taking that as exercise. I was taking that as a clear mind type of deal. Okay, well, that gives a different spin on it. But trust me, I have enough issues with Travis. He's really wishy-washy character in my eyes. But that right there, I kind of look at like, you know what? When I put my headphones in at work, I just I go to a different place where I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. You know, and a lot of joggers I know do that. So, yeah. Okay, I, I I'll roll with that. I, I'll I'll take that. You know, just my first impression wasn't that. You know, um, this was the first episode where his son Chris was not a punk in my mind. This was actually something like he was actually involved in something that I enjoyed. Intriguing. The flashing light from the house on the hill. I think that was a great way to set up the opening of the episode. Um, it constantly was on my mind throughout the episode. And it was really unique how he was going to different characters and explaining it and their passive-aggressive about oh, it's something else or the light was hitting this or that. And then when you get that culmination of her seeing it and then it becoming kind of like, okay, people, you need to listen to the boy and right. seeing it, that was really good. I, I, I appreciated that. I thought that was a good little touch. I like what you're talking about with somebody reflecting light from a distance. All that was great. But Jesus, his monologue. 
to the camera was terrible. <laughs> this was the worst cold open yet. Because, like I said, I like the idea of, hey, there's a somebody beyond the fence that needs help. And it's trying to signal. You know, So I think that's a cool little inner story into the main story. But, man, when he's talking about... Not that we don't appreciate our saviors in green and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ugh. No one talks like that. No one. So I was like, the writing to do no favors on that one. Yeah. yeah. That, there, there is that little part where, yes. That was the only cheese ball writing of the yeah, episode. It's I'm just, with you because that, that was about it, you know. And uh, I think our, you know, our cheese ball writing radar was pretty high as soon as the episode starts. So because what's been happening in the last couple of episodes. So, you know, I can see that. But let's talk about what the community is right now at nine days. You know, Madison's still struggling with the idea that she can still see the blood splatter on the wall and wants to keep painting the wall. Um, Ma- uh, that's Madison. And then Alicia is just going about her norm. Nick all of a sudden acts like he's cure, which was, you could totally see through it. How about him floating in that disgusting pool? Do you see the this grime <laughs> everywhere? It just- was... Can you get a skimmer at least? <laughs> I mean, get some get of the your lazy out. tail out of there and clean that up a little bit. Well, that's the thing is Madison's all pissed off because Liza's not helping her around the house with the, you know, the chores and the cooking and the, you know, helping everybody. And she's kind of stuck doing everything. I'm like, get your ass outside. Get your stupid son out of the pool. Yeah, really. You know, you know crack a whip. Oh, my God. And not to mention, this is the first time we get to see Nick not in grandpa clothes. He's in oh, his swimming on. trunks. But then he gets out of the pool and what does he put on? Goes back to the grandpa clothes. Next to grandpa clothes. What the hell? What the heck, man? This is so. Oh my gosh! My wife was like, "No, he did not just put that coat back on. (laughs) Not just the coat. The entire uniform. I mean, did my man not have a room in this house? I mean, what the? He looks just like. And if you've watched the Jackass movies, he looks like when Knoxville dresses up as an old man. Yeah, it's the same outfit. Oh yeah, the leisure suit. Yeah, Yeah. he just needs this. This. Soggy balls hanging out. Maybe oh. just right. It I just, I just can't believe it, dude. I can't believe that Come is. On. That makes me think that they filmed this out of sequence and edited the stuff together because it's like, why would he be still wearing the same clothes? No one else is wearing the same clothes. Yeah, no, that that was another. I, I, do you think it's a mistake or on purpose? I cannot think of one good reason why they would keep him in the same outfit. I don't know. Yeah, um, mm, mm, yeah I'm with you there. Especially what he's been through in those clothes. Yeah. I'd be, he's been stinking, running around the city, you know, withdrawing in him, throwing up all over himself a couple times. Yep. I'm like... No, those need a good washing or burning. Yeah, they burned. Yeah, they need to be buried. They need to be buried with the neighbor. You know, yeah, I um, just... This so, has got to stop. Yeah, so um, we still got Daniel and his wife and Phil all upstairs, and you know they're still nursing to her um, her foot injury. Um, Liza's going around playing doctor, um, you know. And the Daniel's daughter is it Ophelia? Is that her name? Yeah, you know, the the pretty girl, man. Um, and so we see her this episode, you know, kind of flirting and mingling with a soldier, and you can definitely tell it's a ploy to try to get medicine for mom and different things. Um, I don't think you could tell till later. I didn't because when they first came out and the whole flirting little thing, and, yeah, you know, you're not actually was... writing my name down. I was like, okay, yeah, that's plausible. Yeah, I mean, he's a man, she's a woman. There's needs in the world. I mean, come on. And oh, yeah. and then later on the Humvee, and then 
it, it became real air apparent that, you know, uh, the brawl's not coming off unless I see some pills from mom. You know, that's kind of the vibe I got. Well, not to mention that, you know, when he'd go in on her neck, you could tell her face was just go, ugh. Yeah. You know, just go blank. You know, yeah. she's just using him. Yeah. And he's using her, too. Oh, yeah. You could tell, he doesn't really have affection. He's just trying to get laid. Yeah. Wrong with that. Whatever. <laughs> All um, power to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing that bothered me about this episode, you know, going back to like a little details, and I know this is way off script, but for some reason it just sticks in my mind. And it's Alicia and that Sharpie thing still on her arm nine days later. Do you think it's still there nine days later like that? At least it was rubbed out a little bit. Yeah. I could see her, when even when she's taking a shower or whatever the case may be, like, I'm not washing that off. You know, and then at the end of the episode, seeing her stabbing it in with the needle and stuff, I'm like, ugh. She was so, I think, human at the beginning when she got on to her mom and Travis about having bickering fights about yeah, yeah, yeah. basic chores, acting like this is a normal situation. But then to go to the end of the episode where she's doing that, that seemed too, too angsty and... Well, just and wham, the, wham to yeah, me. the whole part of her going into that Susan's house and finding that suicide note and all that stuff, which that suicide note stuff bothered me. And we got a lot of feedback on that. Um, I think yeah, that Matt was, mentioned uh, that as Matt, well. Yeah, he, he feedbacked in and said that, uh, that, that that was an unnecessary. And, you know, and that, of course, his his argument was is that it talked about faith and religion and Christianity and how it would be a one-way one ticket to hell. But the part that really bothered me about the suicide note is that why does somebody commit suicide on day one of this epidemic when evidently it wasn't even considered an epidemic until two, three, maybe day four? I mean, why then? Why all that? I just, it seemed like it was off base and wrong timing. Did you get that? No, this was a piss poor constructed. Uh, I don't want to call it a scene, but storyline, because I can't see this woman, who obviously was a thoughtful, caring woman, just to want to be dead when her husband shows up. Why wouldn't she wait for him to come home and then talk to him about it? Yeah, it just you didn't know? make no sense. The way they set that up was. It's like they needed her to be dead in that house, and so how do you make it happen? Oh, okay, let's just have her down a bottle of pills, you know. And it's like it was a an afterthought, you know. Okay, if she wanted, if you wanted to commit suicide, make it because her husband's always out of town and she's depressed and she doesn't have any children, which is why she always watched Madison's kids. You know what I mean? Make it her. She's depressed and she just committed suicide when her husband left town again. That'd have been fine with me. I wouldn't have had any concerns. Yeah, but the fact that she's gotten the note that she's seen something that she just knows is the end of time. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's a bridge too far. Wow, I mean, it was way too soon. Yeah, way, way, way too soon. Especially like you say in the first, not even week no. of a spread. I mean, even in the original Walking Dead, you know, when Rick has got his sheriff uniform on and he's traveling around. He comes upon a house that they committed suicide by shotgun to the mouth, you know. Um, but it was still kind of, you know, within a few days and fresh. I mean, this was four days after the epidemic starts. You know, I mean, this is day one. I mean, what? I mean, I think that was a complete misfire for the episode, you know. But it wasn't something they, you know, really focused on. But it just it hit me like a ton of bricks, you know. Yeah, I mean, little things always. It's weird. I think 
and this is not, I'm not trying to be a misogynist or sexist about this or anything, but I feel like being a man or a husband and a father and stuff like that, you notice certain things. Like you always notice we have to cut our own grass. And when you're watching zombie apocalypse or any apocalyptic show, you're like, who the hell's cutting the grass? Because I know if I don't cut my grass for three weeks, it's damn knee high with mm-hmm. weeds everywhere. But I would I would love to see a scene of somebody just cutting their grass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're fully caged in. A lot of people are acting like things are normal. Show one of them out there pushing a mower around or something, you know? I don't know. It's just little things like that that I notice. Yeah. But then my wife, she'll notice stuff that like never would have crossed my mind. You know, never. Like if she sees some clothes hanging on the drying you know, line and stuff like that. And she's like, Oh, well, that's not how they would have done that and blah blah blah. You yeah, know, it's just yeah, like yeah. And that sounds so misogynist or whatever yeah, that to uh, say, but that's I, the that's the extreme detail. Right. But it's something like me, no one gives a shit about the grass, but I always notice it. Mm-hmm. Always. It's like Man, I just well, that's one of the downfalls of The Walking Dead is that this is years later, and they walk into a neighborhood that has grass that's six inches high. I'm just like, mm, yeah, no. It would be like houses are overgrown, you know, yeah. trees growing in the front yard that weren't there. And I mean, the wasps would be terrible, oh, and the ticks yeah, would be awful. Nature like, would have been taking over by now. Yeah, I mean, brutal. I'm just I'm like, especially in the Georgia sun. Now. Yeah. L.A. may be a little better because it's like a concrete jungle out there, but my God, some of this stuff is... Let's go ahead and be honest. You know the movie I Am Legend, Will Smith, the yes. god-awful CG vampire movie? Anyway. Zombies, whatever those things are. Yeah, whatever. You're the the city effects where they make it where like grass is growing up out of Times Square and yeah, things are taking yeah. over. Yeah. That was years later. We're at that level of Walking Dead of years later, <laughs> yeah. and we don't see houses taking over. And we're in the South, where things grow a lot better and greener. So that is—I mean, don't get me wrong. Your show can't do that, you know. I mean, you—it's just you can't go into a place and just say, "Okay, let this grow for a couple of years, so we can come in and get a couple of shots out of it." You know, it doesn't work that way. But uh, that's one thing that's kind of like, all right, you know, do this right, you know. But like a good example. You know when Madison breaks out of the gate, you know, oh, coats up in the fence and cuts out there, and she goes out into that area, that street looked authentic. The grass was taller, bodies were placed, you know, there was damage, and you could see damage in the distance. I mean, they really went all out to make that entire set and scene there really cool. And the, one of the best parts was is that when she heard soldiers coming like that, her point of view was from the lower part of the hill. And so as you look up, you know, they see them walking. It's like their head slowly appears and then the shoulders appear. And, and like, it was a yeah. really cool kind of absolutely intimidating, like, here they come. And it's like they have the, the greater position above you. And, you know. And their son was at their back. So I couldn't, when they were walking, I couldn't tell what they even were. Yeah. It was I mean, it like well put together. I give kudos to the director, uh, Carrie, there. That that was a well set up scene. Yeah. It created some tension. And then how about the intrigue of the people that were there, okay? All right. So are we to believe that the guy on the ground with the gun next to him was just a person coming out there with a gun and he was gunned down? It was not a zombie, not turned. Of course, he had a headshot. Um, you know, is that what we're getting from that? That's what I got from that, is that he wasn't turned, because otherwise that pistol wouldn't be there. <laughs> yeah, because I wrote this in my notes. 
Let's just talk about the military while we're on this scene. Okay. Okay. First off, do we think that the military, first off, whoever the general or whoever that guy is. The dick, yeah. Why do you think he's a dick? Do you think that's tropey that he's a yes. prick almost for no reason? Well, here's the thing. He is in a position that is completely unappreciated. And every time he has to give directives or dire- or any kind of situation to the community or like that, it's never met with a thank you. It's always met with, why don't I have this? When are we getting that? When can we do this? Da, 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 da. You know, there is no satisfaction. And that's human nature. I mean, I deal in my job every day of all I do is handle problems from you know 8 a.m. to 4 you know, p.m. And when I get asked a question, it's because if somebody needs something or something's not going right. You know, you're never going to get the opposite. So it's one of those thankless jobs, and I think that's what he's got. I mean, so I think it's a necessary evil. I just think he kind of takes it to the next level with some of his – you know, not absurdity, but he's, but he's brash. He's yeah, he's very like brash. Rude. So, but did I you agree ever, with did you? Did you ever get the the governess-esque, uh attitude of hitting the golf balls and the talking down? And, and it, I kind of felt like uh, David Morrissey was channeling through this guy a little bit. You okay, know? is he going to end up being the big bad of season one? Uh, here, here! I'll go ahead and and I gave. We had this feedback with uh, Eric and uh, Bradshaw. What we were going back and forth is is that you know one of the key things that military mentioned was is that there was multiple quarantine zones. Okay, as with any movie and anything, whenever you have an epidemic, there's always a group that wants to cure it. There's always one a group that wants to study it, and there's always a group that wants to enhance it and use it as a weapon and that's that's that is the you know the copia of uh, military and armed forces if you come up with a new technology let's find a way to make it a weapon and an advantage and so when i say these quarantine zones i really 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 feel like what we're about to find out in the last two episodes especially the next one is is that some quarantine zones are used as a testing facility or, you know, they're analyzing how the sick change and turn. And we're going to get some of those intermediate answers we've been wanting, even though we already know as a viewer based on what we already seen them walking dead. But you're going to see the characters learn this. And that's going to set a hook and you're going to meet some people and, um, and what happens to them. And so wherever Daniel's going with his wife and wherever Nick is gone and all that stuff, that's where the hook's going to be this next episode. And we're going to find out something that's going to be like, okay, now we know that the end of the world is not due to just the epidemic, but because of humans and what they decide to do during this epidemic, it makes things worse. And that's what I think this show is going towards. And that's what's going to set the hook for us to do this second season. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel like you're right. Like in the second season, they're not going to be on the run from zombies. That they're going to be on the run from military crews. Themselves. Yeah. Like right. and their own human stupidity and how it's contaminating things even worse. Right. And I have in my notes too is is the hospital that they send um God, what's her name Daniel's wife Oh man um that's embarrassing <laughs> Yeah anyway where they send his wife and send Nick is is that going to end up being more of like a death camp slash like testing camp where they just find out like what makes people turn 
And I, mean, I think it's very possible. I mean, the bottom line is is that when you then what I was told when I was talking to some other people and like that, when you think of quarantine, you you eliminate risk. You know, because my, my wife was my wife is even asking about this. Why did they take Nick? Why do they take her away? Because they have a greater odds and potential of becoming a problem in a quarantine zone yeah. or creating an issue that would Same create thing with Darren the, Walker, you know, within right. the own encampment, thus messing up the quarantine zone. They're not going to keep anybody who's old, frail, sickly, um, potential, druggy. I mean, all those kind of things. They gotta That doctor... Don't see it as a doctor. I see her as a scientist who's analyzing and evaluating people to say, okay, this one's got to be out of here. This one's got to be out of here. You know, that kind of stuff. And uh, that's what her purpose was. I could see her being the Jenner kind yeah, of like deal. Yeah, early stage of, you know, some you know somebody uh, who's testing it, trying to figure I, it out. I feel like in the next couple episodes when they do, they're obviously going to try to break in and get their friends and family back. But I think they're going to run into Susan's husband that was not brought back, you know, who was covered in her blood or whatever like that. Uh, Doug, they're going to find all of them. And they might find them in a pile of dead bodies that they just wasted because these people are threats to the community, to the quarantine zone. Yeah, here's my prediction on this. Something's going to happen early in the next episode, and it's going to cause everybody to want to leave. Mass, Okay. And them being separated from the other people, wanting to find Nick, Ophelia wanting to find her father, having no answers, they're going to do, as a collective, decide to try to leave and figure out where they are. And in the process, they're either going to get captured, um, you know, ran down, whatever you want to call it, and they're going to be sent to an encampment that is the opposite of what they were. And you're going to see the brutality side of what the military and martial law is during this epidemic. And that's going to be the tension and how we, how they escape or how that ends. And that's what's going to close this season out. Yeah, I'm not going that route. I'm going – I think they're actually going to I – don't, I don't want to talk about the preview yet or anything like that. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Let's continue talking about some of the stuff we're talking about. Okay. Uh, All right, the, so, sweep, the sweep and clear missions that Madison right. runs into on the road. The, the guy says they're going door to door and, and looking for survivors and stuff. Here's my thing. Yes, the guy with a gun outside in the street, he was clearly shot and was not turned. He was just a guy obviously with a gun, maybe protecting himself that they just shot. Mm-hmm. There was another one on the sidewalk that had a couple more shots to the chest and one to the head, and he didn't look like he was turned either. Most of them look like walkers, but I was still surprised to not see any walkers. Not even one. Even like when she's laying under the truck and they're coming by, I was surprised not to see one shamble out and then just pop it and put it down. Right. You know, from what I've seen so far... And the attitudes I've seen from the military, it almost seems like they're indiscriminately just shooting anyone they see. Well, if they they deem it a threat for whatever reason, pop, pop, done. But in the middle of the episode, they show some of the military forces coming back in, and they have survivors in tow. And they're bringing some people into the quarantine. So it's like they're not 
killing everybody. No. But they're killing certain people. Now, maybe they killed a guy with a gun because they're like, he's he'll be a threat. He'll be a problem. Yeah. So just put him down. Let's get the survivors that are yeah, circumstances that are out there. could be anything. The guy walks out with a gun, you know. Hey, you ain't, you know. They're like, drop it. And he's like, no, nah, I'm here to protect myself. We're gonna drop you, and then pop, pop, and he's down, and it's over. I mean, there's there's a hundred different ways that could go. Absolutely. I mean, all they gotta do is slightly feel threatened, and they'll just put him down, you know. But I, I haven't figured out why or how they're deciding who lives, who dies. It looks like they're just taking anybody that won't be a threat. Families, you know, people with kids. You, you, you just, you're just you throwing gas on my fire of, you know, the military is doing different things with different th- people. That's what we're going to find out in the next episode. I just, I have no doubt. I mean, I didn't even watch the preview uh, for next season. I just feel like the military and what's what's happening since they've been separated now that's where the story is going to go because it's going to be about what the humans have done wrong in this epidemic and who's in charge right now, the military. So that's the way I look at that. Um, now Madison got up on the roof and saw the lights flashing in the whole nine yards and got confirmation. Okay. I think we can both agree that yes, there was somebody hiding in that house in the flashing. Okay. Would you agree with that? I think there was several people hiding in the house. Okay. All right. You know, I don't, and I don't like to really jump towards the end, but then we see Travis towards the end of the episode and we see flashes and my wife's like, Oh look, he he sees it. I said, Oh baby, that wasn't the flash. That was, there was, gunfire. That was gunfire. Yeah. And I said, um, because, because of his comments to the military and different things. Um, now all of a sudden when he goes up there, he sees what was ever in that house shot to pieces. And, that goes back to kind of what you and I have been talking about is, is that what is the military's goal here? If that person was flashing a light, they were probably healthy. They were probably okay. At least you hope so because they were, you were looking they for were a glimmer fine. I'm sure they were fine. Yeah. They ain't fine now. No, they got mowed down. Yeah. And so I think they did that towards the end to tell you the military are the bad people here. I think that is a clear-cut subliminal message of get ready. What you think is going on outside that fence and what they're telling you is not true. And we're gonna, you're going to find out in a bad way. Yeah. I, look, I know you're supposed to learn things through your, our main characters. You know, you're supposed to learn things through Travis's reactions. And clearly, when he saw the gunfire, you could see his reaction in his mind was like, Holy shit, the military just went in and murdered these people in that house. And he knew that it was because he told them. Because Madison had got on to him about not supporting Chris and she saw the same thing. So she went to him. You know, so he went to the general dude and was like, Hey, there's somebody up there. And he's like, No, it's not possible. We went house to house. Yeah, we've already swept, swept this whole area. Swept the whole area. So then when he finds out, obviously no, there's somebody up there. And it's like, oh, well, we got to go up there and clean this up. Yeah, you know? neutralize it. So I think they've made it pretty obvious at the end of this episode that the military is going to end up being well, just like the house, heavy-handed. Yeah, it was just like the least. end of the episode when they come in and they take Daniel's wife without Daniel and they take Nick away. Okay, if they were really sincere in trying to help her, okay, Daniel gets to go with her. I mean, that's that's obvious. I feel like they had a 
There was an agenda. Slim, decent argument about how the hospital is overcrowded because that makes sense. Like they can only take. The then sick. why the doctor took her and go? Absolutely, you can go with her. Oh, I know. No, I agree with you. Yeah. So I feel like the doctor's got a somewhat shady side. Somewhat, let's call it legit shady side. Yeah, but I don't think she's the one telling the military to come in in the middle of the night, like a, you know, secret six mission and and getting people out in the middle of the night. Yeah, why do they come in the middle of the night? That's what I'm saying. I think they wanted to sneak up mainly on Nick. You know, because there's not going to be the old woman thinks she's going already and knows she's going. But then Nick, you know, they're ho- I guess they're hoping to surprise him in some kind of way. Well, it was surprise, you know. Yeah, they, you know, yeah. I mean, I just, but uh, I just, yeah. And, and then a and little then bit of this scene with Liza bothers me too. Oh, that really, really, really pissed me off. I mean, she's looking at her going. For, let's 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 go ahead and talk about these two female characters right here. First of all, the doctor calls her out. You're not a doctor. You're not even a nurse. And you're over here helping people. I need you to keep pretending. Okay? So that relationship doesn't even start right in my mind. And then this is the same person who looks at you on the back of the truck who has violently taken people away from a house, okay, that you have brought this attention to. And she looks at you and goes, we need you at the hospital. You can help. And you turn and look at your kid and say, bye. Yeah, see, I don't think, and I'm not a mother, but I am a father, and there's no way I'd leave my yeah, child. My wife was pissed. I mean, she yeah. was like, I hope Eliza's throat gets eaten out. <laughs> I hope we just watch her gargle in her own you know, feces. I was like, uh, honey? You know? Dark. <laughs> Slightly. Now, I'm going to sleep a little bit farther away from you tonight. You they're know? not going to get rid of Liza already because... You're gonna to need to see the conflict between Madison and Liza. Oh yeah, we we, we need the three. We need the triangle going yeah, on here. That's gonna be the main conflict. Uh, I, I do see it for a little stuff. bit, but that's gonna get old quick. I don't think it's gonna be like a love triangle. It's gonna be Travis trying to play mediator between two families between two, you know, two Head of his ones. families. Yeah, you know, I'm with you, and which is fine. I like that human element. It's just. Uh, We've kind of seen that before in the other show. You know, I don't really want to be buried up to my eyeballs in that again. Yeah. So, you know, so I don't really love the Dr. Liza. I like the idea of Liza being able to help people because that's what she wants to do. She knows she has that ability and people are admitting that they'd be dead if it wasn't for her. I like that. Yeah. All right. Here's one thing that made it a positive, and this is just me predicting, is that if you were going to go rescue your wife and your son, Nick, from wherever there is, who's somebody who could help you do it? Liza. Because now she's there as person. Of a, so I think she's going to be having an important role down the road. I don't think she's coming back home. Well, I don't think she is either. I think the group's going to go to wherever she is, and that's how the show is going to end. They're not going to be at the house at the end of episode six. They are going to be on a new plane, a new adventure, a new scope of survival, and it's not going to be within the fences of the military. Do you see, by the end of episode six, a horde of zombies taking the fence down, overrunning the military, and they're running for their lives? I mean, do you see that? 
I better not see that. Thank you. Absolutely not. Okay. They've wiped out six mile radius. Exactly. And so there's just no reason for that. And that's not implausible. So what makes them leave the in the this area? I'm be honest, what I think I could possibly see is you know, they leave you know, go to the, the hospital in the next episode, do a breakout. You know, get their people. I don't think Daniel's wife will make it. No. I think she goes down. Um, I think Nick will get out. But I have this strange feeling, too. I can't remember positively. In in the Walking Dead show, when he goes into the city of Atlanta, do they not show, like, like strafing missions? Like, them bombing the city at all? They, um... Later in the other seasons, they talked about how to try to eradicate the large mass numbers that they did drop bombs and different things. And that's what they did talk about, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm wondering if at some point you don't see the military clear out. Yeah, just abandon. And then they bomb, you know, areas. Because it's say they've cleared, oh, we've cleared a six-mile radius here. Yeah, we have a quarantine right here. Just whatever, bomb it. We know there's not survivors in this space. No one can get out that we right. don't know of in this space. I could see that. I could see that. I could. T- I mean, I think Can't that's a great observation. Episode six, where they're like, not maybe driving away, but like on a hill in the distance, you know, regrouping, and then you see just bombs dropping on, you know, on the city. On to, and you look over and you see your subdivision get flattened yeah i think it would be i think it'd be cooler if they go to the hospital to get their people out right and somehow they do and which i don't want it to be a mission impossible covert going into the hospital get their people out and come back but it would be a kind of a neat twist is that they come back and their military is just up and left and people are scratching their head like okay we can go in and out of the fence now Something's not right. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, somebody has the epiphany of, we got to get out of here. Yeah. If the military's ran, we got to go. And they just up and hop in there. And as they're going over the ridge, you yeah, see a bomber come yeah, by. That'd be yeah, awesome. You start seeing that the city starting to explode. And yeah, that could be something pretty cool. I think it is a stretch, but I think it'd be cool to see. I don't know if they could pull it off. I think. Well, it, I think they're going to be focused more narrow-minded on the characters and their drama than instead of the fall of L.A. No, I understand what you're saying, but I can easily see them striking big city population densities. Absolutely, absolutely. I think so, the epidemic becomes so strong that the only way they like, well, we're going to eradicate as much as we can with, you know, one-hit wonders and. And do what we can, but I mean, okay. And maybe you didn't watch the preview, and this is, oh, spoiler alert. You know, we always talk about the preview, but either way, in the preview they show the doctor and Liza, and they're in like hazmat type kind of clothing, scrubs, not like the mask or nothing right, like right, that. Right, right. But the doctor's like, "That's a bite. That's a bite." You know, and then you see a zombie walking around, like a patient walking around. You know, oh, okay. gnarling at the hospital is going to be in disarray when they arrive. When they yeah. arrive to get their friends and family, yeah, it's already no going to be a mess. Yeah, there's no containment. Okay, 
which is more or less leading me to some more of that stuff like we've lost containment uh the other quarantines can't stay this way so you evacuate the military you know exactly. and then you start I mean, seeing yeah. them wipe you out you regroup to an area that is manageable and work on a cure you work on how to handle things like that and you eradicate the greatest threat largest metropolis areas right so when you keep seeing the military obviously they go and they murder whoever survived in that house that was flashed in the light where you see people that aren't changed on the street that have been killed you see where they're taking people out of their homes and not letting them come back because they're possible threats to the community you know that's just like you know fighting wildfires you know what i mean where you set other fires to you know suck the oxygen out i mean it's it's tactics where you're (laughs) you know it's tactics like you said but it's human lives and it's just that's just that's tough to swallow that you have to go to that level but do you think the show is doing a realistic job of what would happen if this was real do you think they're, they're you can't say 100% but do you feel like it's authentic I think this episode did a lot to make me feel like it's authentic I feel the same way I think there was a lot about it that's like this is plausible these are things they would do you would have military patrols that were out to eradicate threats and do different things and you would want to try to contain quarantine areas and try to maintain the civility of that area by trying to keep it as normal as possible doing routine medical checks and making sure people understand they're safe and do encouraging things and (coughs) get them medical care and continue to have power and that kind of stuff that's how you keep people sane that's how you keep them comfortable and you keep them under control you know, and like you're talking about it, what you and I talked about earlier is, is that surprise we didn't have a group uprise because they can't leave and different things. Right. One family. I'd have loved to have seen one family that they were having a struggle at the gate. Yeah. You know, like we can leave. We're people. We're adults. You know, you don't, you can't control us, you know, and. I would actually like love to see an outbreak away. scene. You remember the movie Outbreak, Dustin Hoffman, um, and Sutherland and all that. Yeah. And the family's in a, a hot zone and they decide they're going to leave. So they get in their Bronco, wife, two kids. Yeah, start cutting and, through the And field. they try to leave and the helicopter just mows them down. You know, right. it just, just shoots this car full of a whole family to pieces. Like, you're not leaving. You know, that could be something that makes this encampment where everybody want to leave. Is that one group decides, we're leaving. We're going. Yeah, it's like and a then, soft dictatorship. You right. know what I mean? Like a, it's fragile at yeah. best. You know, you know, Julio and his family decide we're leaving, and they go to the gate, and they're like, "No, back away!" And he hits the gas to hit the gate, and they just unload into this car. You're right with him and his, you know, family. Then the rest of the community is like, "Okay, now it's time to organize and get out of here." You know. That would be a great drama set, a way to really, holy crap, but they're killing humans that don't need to be killed. And, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I, just, I think, I think they've given us enough information, but not too much information. Yeah, I think that that's what I say. The show made which us is, very intrigued and curious. Cool. I think they've added some tropes in there that I didn't need. Like, I don't need the military to be total dickheads the whole time. Like, when. 
he calls Travis over to go and talk to Doug about a medical screening. Do you see when they walked up to the driveway? He had a advanced team like ready behind the run. car. Guns drawn, oh, ready to go how about, in. How about his conversation and dialogue? Like, I'm listening, I listen to you, but I really don't care. Go do this. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that was just complete dickhead the entire time he's talking to him. No way to get what you want, right. really. And then, like, he's talking through him through a fence while he's hitting golf ball, governesque. You know, they're just, all that stuff, a lot of it was just over the top unnecessary. Yeah, I just don't think that was necessary. I would have liked to more seen them being overly nice and helpful but be dark. Yeah, and not, on the not inside, that, and then where it makes you doubt their kindness, like there's an alternative motive. Right. On the inside the fence, they're one group. Outside the fence, what Madison saw and what they saw on the roof that you know family or whoever's in that house got murdered. And there's live normal people that have been killed in the streets. Yeah. You know, they're the only two now that have seen you know what what's possible outside the gates right and that they're selling you a false bag of goods you know inside the gate right i want to go back to one of our one or two of our feedbacks um eric commented and david did as well and they were talking about the enormous population of la and that you have to imagine these rioters and all that catastrophe in the in the center of the city that majority of them have turned and become, you know, a walking horde or a large amount of that. And then that has spread through the millions of people. And so do you think it's really plausible that they've cleared a six-mile radius? You know, and that, you know, because they brought this up several times. And I, I really agree with Eric and David is that, you know, do you think there's something else going on? I mean, like Eric said, well, maybe the, the zombies are in an area where there's plenty of fresh kill and eat and so on and so that they're they they have not got to the point of going all the way out to the suburbs to have those numbers you know is you, you think that kind of falls in line i would lean that way because they're going to stay in the metro areas first before they start well, there's to plenty wander of stimulation from. there there's plenty of things that's going to attract and make no them stay ways. there there's going to be yeah movement there's going to be everything to keep them there and plus not as many people are going to be turning in the opposite areas. Most of your hospitals and things like that are going to be in the metro areas, yeah, which you know are so going to be the number one turn you're not, spots. You're not going to get the large masses of walkers, zombies, whatever, what looks to be out in the hills where they are of California. Right. And so, I mean, you can't even see the cityscape through most of the shots they show you. And they have plenty of firepower to easily take a suburban exactly. area and, and sweep and clear. Yeah, a three-man crew could clear streets and streets and streets i mean because of the firepower they have a three-man crew that knows you got to shoot them in the head exactly you know knows the objective with machine guns and plenty of ammo (laughs) exactly i would have a field day that would be awesome yeah i'm not gonna lie to you cruel but awesome yeah if you know they're already dead it's just it's just just fun shooting there so i can believe it where they are yeah it's very plausible you know that, and that's what I'm thinking is probably is going on surrounding suburb areas of the main city, downtown. Um, you know the major metro areas. They're probably you know got a few quarantine zones, right? But I could easily see, like you're saying, that if all of downtown and the big metro area 
turn and they're like starting to head out of that, that's where my idea of like no containing this. Yeah. Bomb it. It is beyond the ratio of control. Right. Before we wrap up, the believe it or not, the best two parts of the show for me that really, really I just absolutely love. Well, first was Madison finding Nick and realizing that he's still a scumbag and he's been trying to get pills and okay, we didn't talk just about him. slapping the crap out of him and beating him Pouring up. the morphine of the old man. Yeah, taking that from um that that felt so good and authentic. Not felt good. You know what I mean? Like it felt real. You could see the true struggle and you know that the she was slapping the crap out of him and it looked it looked looked apart. And I, then felt bad about it. Yeah. She's crying in her car about it. Exactly. You know. And then I imagine your next scene is gonna be Daniel's monologue about his oh, child. His childhood and yeah. his dad and you know, because when you watch the preview and he's talking about men don't do evil things because of you know you know, he said, what, what, what was his line? I love it. Men do evil things because of fear, you know. Um, and then he goes, you know, and that's when I realized my dad was a fool. And that's I was, the part they left out of the and trailer. And I was like, you know, was my, like, jo- my jaw hit the floor and I put it right back up. And then he started talking about how, you know, my men said they took these men away and, and when they would come back. And he's like, they did. I found them. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then he's Surrounded like, by them. Yeah, I found all of them all together in the river. And they swam, you know, they were all right up next to me. And I was like, oh, you know, great. It gives you such a clear understanding of his motivation and where his mind is when he sees these military and these things. And he, are, and he makes the comments, it's too late, you know. And so, and he's telling his own daughter and Madison that, you know, hey, you know, if I don't come back, you promise me you're going to look after her and, and so on. So it really gives you the inclination. And another example of where he knows the military are the bad guys. And so be prepared. I think he was in another, you know, an analogy showing, you know, whatever. Some coup happened in his city. Mm-hmm. You know, where did he say he was from? Sao Paulo or whatever? Yes. El okay. Salvador or something. Uh, yeah, El Salvador. Um. So the new leaders come in. They take the six high up leaders in the community, and they kill them. They got rid of the possible threats. Mm-hmm. He's explaining to them when it happens, it happens fast. He's pretty much saying when the new power comes in, the military, they'll remove all threats. Yeah, anyone who's to their, their power structure can create influence against them. They got to go. Right. So it's possible that the military that's holding this section together is completely on their own. Totally rogue. Yeah. You know, doing their own thing. So yeah. I look for I look forward to seeing him be proven right. Yeah. I think I think we definitely are. I think he should be the one person who has forethought and knows what's going to happen and we're going to see how it unfolds from here. Yeah, and I think for sure, he's going to lose his wife. I'm pretty sure because yeah, they're not going to tote around another one-legged person. So I see, you know, she dies at the hospital. He's going to be really down about it, but he's got his daughter still. You know, does he become a martyr? No, I don't believe so. Okay, I think in that, just in that scene alone, they showed that he is one of the top-notch actors on the show, if not the. If not the, the top, the best, yeah, and uh, it would be a real loss if he was 
I agree. Killed this season. I, I, I agree. He's he's definitely one of my favorites for sure. For the small amount of screen time he has, he has the most impact. Agreed. Absolutely agree. Um, that's kind of it for the show. Um, I know you watched the preview. Was there anything that um, stuck out or anything we missed? That was mainly it. You know, it. They're gonna see. They're gonna go try to get into the hospital. Try to get their family. Now, back. I did see one thing, like the first few seconds of the preview, and then I shut it off. Was is that I finally see the character I've been waiting to see forever? You know, I mean, the guy is credited to being for most almost almost all the episodes, and now he's finally we're going to meet him, and it's episode five out of the six, and this is the um, Strand character, I, I believe. This is the guy who played in Lincoln and Selma. Okay. Yeah, um, I didn't even notice. Yeah, I mean he there was uh, he was in a suit and he was talking to him, and that's all I saw over there for a second. And uh, it's about time, you know. I mean, is this guy going to become a key player? You know, I mean, because I thought he would have been in the show by now a long time ago. Well, I hope so. I mean, since they killed off every other black actor in the show, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah, time really, to. Yeah, this is uh, the fear of the walking KKK dead. Yes. Uh, uh, yikes. Um, no, man. I think that's pretty much all I got. And uh, like I said, encouraged by this episode. Um, pretty impressed that they could do no walkers, no gore, no yes, violence, and I still enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really enjoyed it. And really, good. Guys, make sure you'll keep hitting us up with this feedback. Um, we're getting a lot of good stuff, and uh, keep hitting with those positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. We really need those, and we really appreciate the ones you've done so far. And anybody who has a free moment, please do it. But uh, you can always send us your feedback at bleedtvpodcast at gmail.com, as well as at bleedtvpodcast on Twitter. And we have a Facebook page. We do a lot of uh, talking back and forth with several people about the show, um, as well as we uh, started another show as well as the uh, Bastard Executioner and gave it a shot. Uh, and it's already up for the pilot episode, and another one's coming on tonight, and so we'll hit it again soon. Uh, but other than that, um, we appreciate everything, and we're going to call it tonight. This is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. I'm Jake. And we're out. ends it ends fast <laughs>